Welcome to Meet the Musician at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome this evening's moderator from MTV, Rob Markman. It is great, man. Um, thank y'all for coming out. First of all, I, you know, I, know, I know it's a Friday, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's beautiful out, so thank y'all for being here, first of all. We got a special night for y'all. Um, this brother, man, um, I've been covering him for a long time as a journalist um, back when I was... Um, at Double XL and, and even at MTV. Um, and you know, my favorite type of MCs, I like all types of music. My favorite type is, is spitters, is guys who really use their pen and really come with lyrics. And I remember when he dropped his first album, um, The Salvation, okay, and he had a listening session. And when we walked in, we were pressed, he had rhyme books, like composition notebooks for us to take notes, you know what I'm saying? Like an MC would have. Um, the snacks, it was catered, it was, he, he gave $2 heroes, um, sunflower seeds, sour powers, and quarter waters. I said, yo, I like this guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He, 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 he's from Brooklyn, man. He, he, he know how to do it right. It felt like we were cut from the same cloth. And ever since that, I've been a huge fan and a friend, and, and he has a new album that he dropped on June 23rd called, it's his third album. He, he has a lot of albums. He's with Torrey, the Barrel Brothers. He did something with Ilman, but this is his third official album. It's called Music For My Friends. Okay, y'all got that? You sure? All right. How many copies you bought, bro? One, okay. Two, you can pick up a second one. I'm gonna pick up a second one. I, I'm gonna get it for you. I'm gonna get you the physical, you're gonna get digital, I got you. <laughs> nah, man, but I, I want to bring this brother out. Is he ready? Yeah, okay. So listen, y'all need to give it up. I want to welcome to the stage my friend, okay? S-K-Y-Z-O-O, -O, Sky Zoo, man. Give it up. What up, what up, what up? What up, everybody? Appreciate all y'all coming out, being here. Word up. I, I, I checked with him. I made sure everybody got the album before they came here. Oh, there man. you go. These is day one is right here, man. Absolutely. And, Word up. Word up. And it feels like that. Um, let's just get into it. Music, music for my friends. Yeah. Is an interesting title because, I, you know, first of all, I think in rap, there's so much pressure now to be everything to everybody. Right. You know what I'm saying? Some people make music for the internet. Right. Some make music for the radio. Right. You know, um, but I, I kind of feel like if you was a true MC and you came up on the block, like your friends were your audience. Yeah. Before anything, talk talk about the concept of, of music for my friends, man, and, and that title. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, with the album, if you look at the cover, those are my real friends. Like that's me at the top. That's my man A at the bottom of the step. My man Pesos on the side. Like those are my real friends right there. That was the step on my block on St. James and. Um, the year on the cover was 95. So my man got a Starks jersey on. A got on Olaf's. I got on the Penny Ones, you know. So the cover is 95. You know, the lady in the window looking at us like we doing wrong, all that. You know, that, that was just every day. So with the title, just going back to the title, um, it literally is music for my friends. You know, everything that I'm saying on this album, it's all stuff that happened to my friends and I. So these are the emotions and the thoughts and the stories and things that we went through. You know, these are all the things that we went through, um, you know, as, as kids, specifically 13 or 14 years old. 
So I feel like when you're 13, 14 years old, that's the most pivotal point in a kid's life because on one hand, you feel like you're an adult. You know, you, your body's changing, your voice is changing, your thought process, you want certain things, you're starting to understand responsibilities. And on the other hand, you're still writing a Christmas list for your parents and you're still waking up Saturday morning serial cartoons. So you're caught in between this world that's real weird, you know, and you're trying to figure it out. And at that moment, whatever's around you, whatever you're exposed to, whatever you see in life, is gonna shape you forever. So when you look at what's going on with us nowadays in 2015, whether it's Charleston, whether it's Ferguson, whether it's you know Eric Garner, whatever it may be that's going on with us out here, I view it a certain way because of how we grew up right there. Whereas some people in the crowd may view certain things a different way because of how they grew up. So that's all the album's really about. It's about what happens when you that age and how it shapes you to be moving forward. Right, now I feel you. Um, who did that's a beautiful album cover, man. Oh, thank and, you, man. And, and I think as we get into this era where um, you know, people are buying less physical product. Yeah. You know, I don't know that artists put as much into their album covers anymore. And and that's a good representation of what the album sounds like. That that to me feels like a Spike Lee movie. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was that was what everybody said, you know, when it came out. Uh the dude who did it, his name is Chris Murray, and he's a illustrator out of Philly. He's actually a legit comic book illustrator. He does it as a nine to five every day it's not like a hobby you know he really does that so he reached out to me about a year prior on twitter and um yo i'm a fan you know if you ever need work let me know he sent the link and when i clicked it i was like absolutely and i hit him right back like yo let's build and and we did that and i didn't send him a picture or anything i just told him what to do i was like you know put me on there with my friends make sure one kid is dark skin with glasses because that's my best friend i was like draw them like this and have him wearing that but that was it and he just grabbed brooklyn and put it on the canvas so it was perfect right um you know and i i felt like i got to know you more you know i've known you for a couple of years yeah um i I didn't grow up with you but i felt like i i got to know you more and Mm -hmm. you know hearing like names like you know um and I'm tight from that era i'm like the illmatic era like absolutely when you hear nas you know shout out core mega and drawers and oogie and you're like yo who are these people like these <laughs> right, are people right, that right. we have no idea who they are right and then you got friends you, who's foof oh man <laughs> foof is my man um from high school uh actually from elementary school and then we went to different junior highs and then we wound up going to the same high school together so that that's one of my closest friends right. yeah. and, and he made the album which was dope so now like yeah. i'm curious like i mean we got people like foof we got amber J. we got Mill from the Lower East Side. Right, like, right, right. Mill went like to high school people. with me. Yeah. Everybody who did the drops is, is my real friends. And I made it a point to have it where nobody made music out of them or was in the industry or anything like that. Because I just wanted it to be real friends, you know. So I, I brought all of them in, you know, Foof and A and, and Mel and all these guys. I brought them all in. It was like, yo, I need you to do something for the album. And they're like, yo, I don't rap, but you want me doing the album? Like, yo, I need you to just trust me. Just come through tomorrow and come through. And I tell them what to do and what the idea was. And it just made sense. And, um, I knew it was something that was going to resonate, you know? you know. You know me, I'm all about the project really being a complete story, you know, from the visual to the way it sounds to all of the moving parts, all the pieces just being a complete story. So, you know, with that, um, that was just another cool way to tie it together and have my real friends doing drops, almost as if it was a mixtape, even though it's not. Right, it so I have dope. my real friends doing drops as if they were celebrities, because to me, they are. So that was the goal behind that. That's the I ain't going to lie. I was like... 
slightly offended when when I <laughs> and I didn't get the call. Oh, but then man. by the end of the album, I got it. Like I right, got, right, I wasn't right. offended anymore. I, mean, I said, there wasn't no it. other journalists or, or industry heads. Like, then yo, it would have been a thing. I was like, yo, if he had got an Elliot Wilson drop. You know, <laughs> then it would have been a thing. We'd have had yeah. problems, Brooklyn, because he's from Queens and we from Brooklyn. Nah, so you, you already know. Nah. Yeah, you already. Uh, shout to L, man. Shout to yeah. YN. Um, for you, what does it take? What's the process for you before you start? A project. Um, what's the mindset before you go in? Do you know the album title already? Do you do you have the direction, or is it something that you figure out as you go along? Nah, it's usually premeditated. Um, you know, once I get in album mode, once I get the itch, and I'm like, yeah, I think it's time for another one. I start formulating ideas, putting album titles down. Weird thing that I do, I write a ton of song titles in my phone before I record one record. Before I pick one beat, whatever. I just come up with all these ideas. So I open my phone and I'll write down, see a key. And I'll write down, money makes us happy. And I'll write down, all day, always. And I'll write down, women who could cook. I'll just start writing down titles and then I'll put them in order because I know the way I want to tell a story. So I know, okay, I need this to be first. I need this to be third. I need this to be last. It's just a weird thing. It's like a tick, you know? It's a weird little thing with me as far as my creative process. So, um, yeah, I usually formulate it ahead of time. You know, I know what I want to speak on ahead of time story-wise. Like with A Dream Deferred, I knew what I wanted to do. I said, okay, I'm going to pick up where the salvation left off. We're going to do this and we're going to move forward in this direction and tell a story this way. And then with this one, it was the same thing. So I was like, okay, we spoke on this, we spoke on that. Now we're speaking on this. All of this stuff is kind of like, you know, I guess ahead of time because I know what I want my career and my legacy to be as far as the stories that I've told. So all of it is kind of premeditated. Um, that's interesting that you come up with the song titles first. So I want I want to go back to the day. Where were you when you went into your phone and wrote down women who could cook? Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't I don't know. It kind of just hit me. Sometimes inspiration will be. Nah, know, what was her name, brother? Come nah, on, nah. you you dancing right now? You, nah, nah, you know you're it, doing it, the neon Dion in the end zone. Nah, you dancing know, right? around the question. It, it wasn't anything particular or, or singling anything out, but it was more so just the thought of like you know you look at a lot of the records that's made nowadays, and um you know some of them I'm a fan of, some of them not. But you look at a lot of the records that's out nowadays. And the way, you know, women are looked at or, you know, what women think guys want or whatever it is. And it kind of just came to me like, yeah, but you could be as bad as everything, which we all want. But beyond that, like, what else What else can we do? You know, when we wake up in the morning, what else can we do? Like, you know, so if you can cook, there it is. There goes something else to do. Now there's staying power for both of us. Now, like, you know, it's, it's just showing that appreciation and that value, you know, so I really wanted... I, I knew women would, would resonate with it because it's just showing it's more than just, you know, whatever they look like and all that. So, you know, and I knew dudes would love it because of saying, yeah, can you cook? You know, hey, you know, all of us want to eat, so, you know. Right. Yeah, that, 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 that was dope to hear... Um because there's a skit that, that kind of precedes it. And, right, just to walk it in. You definitely on, on your MC thing, but you know, you're a real person. And, and yeah. It, it was just crazy <laughs> to feel like, it felt like a scene from a movie, you know what I mean? Yeah, and and yeah. I think you tell her at the beginning, yeah, I'm going to go up and get some breakfast. And she was right. like, well, I'm going to cook for you. And right. It was like, really? You was open. Like, serious? <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> you just, was ready you know, to put a ring on it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's sad to say it's a rarity nowadays, you know. Not for me, but for, you know, some people out there, it's a rarity. And, you know, that's real. Especially with the music that's made, you know, women may feel like the priorities are in certain lanes when they're not, you know. Right. Um, one thing I want to talk about, I just want to rewind a little mm -hmm. bit before we get deep into the album. 
FGR, First Generation Rich, yeah. is your company, right? This is, mm-hmm. this is your label? Talk, yeah, talk about yeah. FGR. Oh, man. Um, I just wanted to have something that was mine. You know, growing up, I always wanted that. Growing up, I grew up, you know, I see friends from high school in here. They'll tell you, growing up, um, I, want, I, I saw Puff and Bad Boy, 97, 98, and to me, that was everything. So it went from wanting to be, you know, Nas as far as, you know, 13, 14 years old to staying Nas but aspiring for more as well and having a label, having a company, drawing logos in, in math class when I was supposed to be focusing on the teacher. Like, all that stuff was going on. So I always wanted this label and having a company and having something that was mine and really having the creative freedom to do what I want and kind of playing Quincy Jones for certain artists that I may believe in, that I may come across and be able to be behind the scenes and say, why don't you do this like this instead of that or let's enhance this together or whatever it is. So, you know, long story short, FGR w- was born from that, just the want to create a, um, create a label. And then the title, the way the title came, or the name rather, came from... Um, I was watching an Oprah Winfrey special, and she was interviewing Miami Heat when they won the first ring. So after all the you know, adversity and everything they went through, and she interviewed Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James. And she interviewed Dwayne Wade Dolo, and she, you know, they both the Chicago thing and all that. And you know, she said, how are you doing now as far as the success, the money, and everything like that? And he said, yeah, you know, it's tough because you got your family and everybody tugging at you and everybody wants something. And she said, yeah, you're a first generation rich. And he was like, what do you mean? And she said, you're the first of your generation and your family, you know, to have something. So everybody's going to feel a way. And she's like, that's the same thing with me. And I was like, bingo, first generation rich. And that's how I came, you know. Well, I don't even know if we could call Oprah rich or Oprah something else. It's, it's beyond wealthy, you know, but that that's where though. that conversation, that's where it came from. It was like, be the first and the last, you know, be the first one in your family to be able to say you did that and be the last because you want to make it where no one in your family has to say they had to acquire that ever again. You want to set it up that great where no one in your family coming behind you has to say, I got to go get that because it's already there for them because of what you did. Right, uh, extremely aspirational. I, I mean, yeah. it just even falls in line with just hip hop is such a um, aspirational culture mm-hmm. and genre of music that we have. We're always looking. I think that's how it started to, to better ourselves. That's how it started. One, one lyric I wanted to to go. And this is about your process again, because I, mm-hmm. I want to know like the way you connect words is really unique. Appreciate it. And um, I, I'm like, how long does it take to write a verse? Like. <laughs> You have lyrics like, uh, uh, forgive me because I can't rap this as good as you, Uh-oh. but um, loaded up with cargo, whichever way the cargo, the outcomes of mercy, mercy or go. Mercy upon anyone feeling mercy at their heart, though. Like, where do those words come from? Like, talk about the oh, process of, of actually crafting yeah. a verse. Yeah, that was a, that was a lighter part of the record, too. Um, <laughs> but um, it, was the, it was the only part that I picked that I knew I could... Halfway recite back <laughs> to the people. Oh man, you know it's 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 God given. You know I can't even front. You know it's God given. It's a blessing. It's something I don't take lightly at all. I write sixteen in twenty minutes. You know what I mean? So it's it's God given. Um, go write a whole song, two verses, a hook, and a bridge in an hour. You know, so it is God given. Um, but even with the time, even if I'm writing it quick, I still it's my job to not take a day off, not take a line off ever. You know, no matter what type of record it is, no matter what the beat is telling me to do or whatever I'm doing, 
I can't take a day off. I can't take a line off because there's somebody out there who's not taking a line off as well. And that guy's never going to one-up me. But if I take a line off, that guy might one-up me. So I'm still a part of the uh, competitive nature and, and that beast. I still got to feed that beast. And it's really about my legacy. Like, I want people to be able to say, when I'm done with this and I'm drifted off and doing whatever else, I want people to be like, yo, he, he never took a day off. He came with it. And we have something that we can hold and we can cherish forever. Not just today, not just because it's the flavor of the moment and the month and all that, but forever. Where it's like, yo, 5, 10, 20 years from now, we could be like, yo, music for my friends, salvation, dream defer. That's all I really want. Right. Can we give it up for that one time, please? Oh, that's all. Appreciate because, it. Because I really feel, listen, man, I interview a lot of artists. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of pains me sometimes when, when artists, you know, that whole, I'm not a rapper. Like, or, like I feel like sometimes a lot of artists is playing with it. Right. 100%. You know, um, you know they might rap when they have an album due or when they need something or when, when the bill is due or something. But to right. really, every day and, and that, that concept of not taking the day off yeah. is what it should be. Mm-hmm. But that isn't the norm right now. Yeah. And, and you know why, why it's like that for me? Even with my legacy and all that stuff that I talked about, it's how we grew up. You know, when we grew up and we from the same generation, we grew up Nas, Big, J, Ray, 3000. They never took a day off. When you turned on the radio, you heard, you know, Represent and, and you know, you, you heard Machine Gun Funk and those guys never took a ball off. So all we knew was doing that. It wasn't like, well, you could do something else and get away with it. Nobody could get away with nothing back then. So the way I grew up, you had to come with it 100%. You had to really just go there. So I still live by that code. I'm, I guess I'm old school in that sense. I still live by the code. Like, nah, I got to go there. I don't care if nobody else in the room is going there. I'm going there just for me, just so I could look in the mirror and be like, yeah, I went there, regardless of who was around or not. Right. Okay. Um, as much as we're a fan of Sky Zoo, um, you're a fan of a big fan of um the wire. Yeah, huge. We we know this from from your music. You you constantly reference it, mm -hmm. and you know anybody that follows you on Twitter or just has a conversation. Like you're a big wire guy. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how many rappers or just artists in general would name a song asking Bodie for a package. Yeah. And yeah. that's a specific moment mm -hmm. within the series. I think it was like season four. Season four, uh, in the middle of the season. Yeah. T talk about what inspired that song that's a very unique like the same way you write album titles before you start a project like right. i'll look at the track listing and i might listen in order but i'm kind of waiting till we right, get right, to right. asking bodie yeah, for i'm the same way when like, i buy somebody yeah, i'm the same i'm like oh well, when we get to 12 i'm, I'm looking forward to that you know right. absolutely um so the way that came about you know with the whole theme of the album being 13 14 years old being caught in between the two and you know kind of a rock and a hard place and all that Season four was about that as well in some regards, at right. least when it came to the kids, like that's what a lot of that was about. And um, the idea for the album didn't come from that, but it just was ironic that, you know, all that was going on in the same thing. And that storyline was so vivid that his moms was telling him to get busy. And I knew kids like that. Like I had a friend in, in high school who used to hustle with his moms, you know what I mean? And used to serve his pops. Like I knew kids like that. So it just hit home when the, when the, when the season came out in 06. And then when I was making the album and talking about these stories, I was like, well, it's something that I know and it's something that happened on the show as well. So I could just tie the two together. And I like unique song titles. I like 
you know, real unique song titles. Even when me and Torrey was doing Bauer Brothers, like I named all the titles, like all the songs I came with. He was like, Scott, what are we going to call this one? And I'd be like, oh, we're going to call this song. So, all right, yeah, that's crazy. Only you would think of that. You know what I mean? So I like unique song titles that make sense. Not weird for the sense of being weird, but, you know, just what makes sense, you know. Um, so, yeah, it just it just hit me. And, and I was just chanting in the studio, you gonna ask Bodie for a package, believe that, and everything will be the way it should be on the feet. And I was like, oh, 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 we got something there, mm -hmm. hold on, you know, and then wrote that down and it started building on the record um, and, and it made a lot of sense. And then I got my man Scar Ogbar on the record too, right. who's from Baltimore. He was in season two of The Wire. Um, he was in a bunch of episodes in season two. He's really a Baltimore product. He's a product of, of all that that you see on the show and he was in it, so that made sense. And originally, um, little unknown fact, Lupe was supposed to be on that record too. Wow. So, which would have been nuts, but um, we never got to finish it up. I sent it to him and we was going back and forth about it, but we never got to finish it up. But I knew from a storytelling perspective what made sense. And I knew I wanted to put Scar on it because of him being from there, him being a dope MC. And then me and Lou always go back and forth with, oh, let's do a record, let's do a record. So I felt like that made sense as well. So who knows, either way. But um, yeah, it, it just made a lot of sense. And um, and then Julito, my man Julito, who played Naaman on the wire, yeah. he hit me right away. It was like, yo, this record's incredible. And I was like, I'm glad you of all people appreciate it because that was you, you know? Right. Um, y'all watch the wire? Okay. There you go. So, so y'all know Naaman, y'all know Weebay, y'all know the story asking Bodie for a package when his mom said, you you going to ask Bodie for a package. Mm -hmm. He's 14 years old, mom. Yeah. What you doing? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and that's what a lot of the album is about. It's just these responsibilities. Some of them warranted, some of them not. You know, it's a lot of these responsibilities and things that are put on his kids when when you're from where I'm from, you know, right. and where you from. You right. know, when you're from these places, you know, there's other 13, 14 year olds that don't grow up the same way. They grow up another way, you know. And and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But for the the 13, 14 year olds that grew up where I'm from, it's a certain way. The same way on the album, uh, at the end of the album on Sweet Pursuit, there's a skit with these kids talking. Those was real kids around my way. Right. Those was real 14-year-olds who get busy, you know, for lack of a better term. And, uh, yo, do me a favor. Let's just have a conversation. And they was reluctant at first because they get busy. Yo, come on. Let's have a conversation. You're going to be straight. All right, cool. Yo, when you wake up in the morning, what do you want? And that's what they told me. And wow. I was blown away by what they were saying. You know, it's just... It's, it's where I'm from. It's what we're living with nowadays. And what you do with it and how you take it from there is on you. But this is what we're living with nowadays. Asking Bodie for a package. That, that's one of my favorite joints on um, Appreciate the it. album. Um, what I want to do right now real quick is, is go out to you guys and, and ask some questions um, and get y'all involved a little bit. You got a question? All right. So my question is a lyrical one. Okay. I noticed there's a dichotomy in your music between... Corner stores and liquor stores. Yeah. And um, Range Rover Rhythm, you said, I don't do it for me. I do it for the liquor store. Mm -hmm. Could never figure out really what you meant by that. I wanted that explained. And, and you, real quick, too, because yeah. it goes with, you also open up the album with a corner store. Yeah, liquor that's, store. What, I, that's, that's what I meant yeah. by the dichotomy. Mm -hmm. We hung out in front of the corner store. It's a theme. We got older and took it to the liquor store. If you could yeah. touch on that theme and that lyric, I would gotcha. appreciate that. Yeah, as far as the theme, um, it's just, the transition from one to the other, but where you're doing the same thing. It's just a cycle, you know? 
guys hang out in front of the corner store when they little kids, teenagers, and they grow up. And when you get older, you start hanging out in front of the liquor store, you know? And it's just this cycle that kind of never ends. You're still hanging out in front of this place, kind of doing nothing, but memories are made there for better or worse. And you grow up and learn life there for, for better or worse. And a lot of times it's for worse, but that's all we saw around my way, you know? So that's what that meant. And then as far as the Range Rover Rhythm line, uh, when I say I'm doing it for the liquor store, I mean I'm doing it for the people that's there. Like so, when I when I make this music, the stories that I'm telling is really for them. Like it's for me because I'll benefit and I'll be able to live life and you know make bread and all that. But it's really for them. It's really being that voice for them for the things that we understand. But only I know how to kick it. As far as myself and all these guys over there, it's, it's I'm a reflection or representation of them and able to funnel it through me. So it's really just. Me doing it for the guys who's there. So when I say doing it for the liquor store is doing it for those guys who's there. That's that's all I really meant. Right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. that's a great question, man. But yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'm gonna ask you to chill with all that because you're gonna put me out of job. You keep asking questions <laughs> like that. I'm like, damn, that's a really good, good question. That's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> Making me look crazy oh, right man. now. <laughs> um, anybody else got? Who else we got? Um, oh, there's a bunch. Yeah, let's let, let's go, let's go in the back. Let's spread it out, my man over here. Yeah. So last year, I remember hearing Sex Like to talk about how Black Thought does like maybe one, two features a year. So right. how did you get him to be on the album? Also, it's my favorite song on the album, by the way. I uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, with Thought, uh, I've known Thought for a little while. You know, obviously one of the greatest ever. I mean, the, the thing with Thought, it's it's effortless, you know, and I, I that's something I strive for in my music as well. That's what I put forth and hope to put forth, you know, to the listeners. It's just effortlessness. That's, that's something he's always nailed. And with Thought, um, I've known him for a while. He He's brought me out on root shows to freestyle and all that. So we had an ill relationship. And when putting the album together, when I did Money Makes Us Happy, I was like, yo, this is Black Thought all day. I was like, this is only Black Thought. So um, I hit him up. I was, yo, big bro, let's get it. Let's connect. And he was like, ah, right, yeah, send it to me. And then he did it. But everybody was like, yo, you know, Thought, you know, he, he, he don't do that many features. And a lot of people scared to get on a record with him. And I'm like, nah. We're going to get it. Whatever it takes, we're going to get it. And, you know, and he knocked it out, you know, and he killed it and it came out dope. And it's one of my favorite records as well. And kudos to you because um, a lot of MCs are afraid to rhyme with Thought. Yeah. Uh, Static Selector, he does like two features a year and they're usually both for Static Selector. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, Static had told me a story where um, I think he had a record with Thought and Action Bronson and, okay. and Royce the 5'9". And Action was mad at him because... Action laid his verse, and he didn't know Thought was going to be on it. He was mm. like, man, you don't put me on no record with Black Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. That, and not that, that Action is scared. Action is, is but you know. Just wanting the heads up. Yeah, yeah a lot yeah, of people, thought, bro. a lot of people was telling me that, and, and I love Thought, you know, Thought is amazing, but I'm like, yo, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm not scared to rap with nobody. Are we serious? Like, I rap with whoever. We're Jay, we're Nas, we're M. Like, let's go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we all going to do our part. And bring what we bring to the table. You know, if we all playing in the All Star game, we all playing. I'm gonna get my 20 and five in the All Star game. You know what I mean? Like, what, what, hands what, down. You got two All Stars on there because you got Kiss on Sia Key. Yeah. What was, was that like? Oh man, that was bucket list for me. Um, growing up, you know, 95, 96, 97, you couldn't tell me nothing about the locks. You know, I've said in freestyles, thought Jada Kiss was Jesus. I just wanted to be the locks. Like growing up, that was it. And I was like, Jada Kiss is the nicest thing on the planet right now. That was just life for me. So 
once you're in the game, when you're moving and, and you know, you're building your way, you start rubbing shoulders with these guys who you grew up listening to. So you rub shoulders with the Black Thoughts, the Talibs, the Jadas. You rub th shoulders with these guys and, and you build with them. And these guys become your peers and your friends and, and even fans of yours. So, you know, when I met Jada years ago, he was a fan. He was like, yo, I'm... I'm a fan. I, I rock with you. Like, you get busy. You get busy, busy. Like, whatever you need, let's get it. And I'm like, you shouldn't have said that because we're about dope. to get it right now. <laughs> so, um, you know, we got real, real cool, you know, over time. And um, he was always like, yo, come to Yonkers. Come to Yonkers. Come to Yonkers. Come to the studio, the Yonkers. You know, he's doing all that. I drive up to Yonkers an hour and change away from the sty. And um, we would just be building. And I played him the record, man. I remember playing him the record, him and Styles, and they face was just dumbing. And they was like, yo, that is incredible. Like, he was like, yo, what you said on the hook? I was like, I go to sleep and see a key. He was like, yo, that's amazing. I'm doing this immediately. Nice. I was like, let's get it, you know, and, and, and we did it. And even with that record, same thing with Money Makes Us Happy. I knew there was only one person that made sense for that record, mm. you know. I was like, there's one person who's going to be lyrical enough to handle this type of beat, be able to swag it out, be able to tell a story and know the line that I'm walking. It's not a, you know, a, a downfall song. It's not a glorification song. It's just a story, just telling you what it is. And I was like, he's the only person who could get that with this content, talking about I go to sleep and see a key. And he nailed it, and it was murder, and, you know, it was great. That was bucket list for me. Like, when I'm playing the verse back the first couple times, I was like, yo, me and this guy on the right. And I've done all type of stuff with people. I say, like, yo, me and Jason got a joint, you know right. what I mean? Like, that, that was life for me. Yeah, shout, shout out to Kiss. If it wasn't for Absolutely. Kiss, I, I might not be here. Kiss was um, the first album review I ever written. Oh, yeah? It was the first time I was published was a Jada Kiss album review. With the Kiss first of joint? Death, the second joint. Okay. But I had to go up to Yonkers to hear the album. He played me the album. <laughs> Word up. Wrote it for Complex Magazine. <laughs> I just wanted to say, you know, the album taking you back to 95 when you were 13... Like my personal experience with the music is hearing sounds before words. Mm. And so what I noticed first was the drum breaks that you have on the album, the long yeah. red sample, synthetic substitution, yeah. Little Richard, Isaac Hayes, whatever you chopped up for luxury. I was just wondering if that's an extension of the concept that you brought to the table or that's something that Jalil and Ill Mind and all the producers brought for you. Uh, it was collective, but mainly me as far as the way I wanted it to sound. But then I went to people who I knew could put that together and bring that out, you know? So um, with me, it's, it's, it's a vision, it's the whole thing, you know, it's more than just the lyrics, it's more, you know, it's everything, it's the art, the way it sounds, the whole deal. So I knew I wanted it to sound lush, but I wanted it to sound nostalgic and kind of homegrown, home-cooked meal kind of vibe without being sample crazy, you know? Because anybody can just chop up a bunch of samples and call it a day and then you, quote-unquote, supposed to get that feeling. But I really wanted it to be unique in 2015 while still having that vibe not be retro and be old school but you know kind of walk the line i'm big on just walking the line so i wanted it to be that and and they nailed it you know there's records that ill mind was doing kind of like on the fly like he did asking Bodie for a package was on the fly that was another beat and you know business is business so some stuff happened with the beat with somebody else and literally the night before he redid the beat sean taylor played the trumpet like the night before he was in the Bronx playing the trumpet and my man Roger out in LA, um, Dre's pianist actually, we met out there. He wound up doing all the keys on the album so at the last minute he jumped it. So that there's moments like that where like Ill Mind and these guys came in and just, you know, saved the day almost sonically, you know. But uh, yeah, it just made sense. Kanye took your beat, man? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Don't answer that, you gonna get nah. <laughs> My bad, yeah. 
What's good, man? What up, what up? Yeah, I see like in your um your albums, you always have this like battle you have about having both your parents, like you feel guilty. Can you mm-hmm. describe growing up with both your parents and how that impacts your music? Because you always bring it up like at some point in some indirect way. Yeah, yeah. That's all. I know this guy too. Yo, give, give it up for his haircut too. Bro, that's the freshest cut I seen. That's man. Ace Clark. Yeah. He from Brooklyn. Yeah, he yeah that's the homie. Yep. We got a record together. Yep. Yeah. He grind hard. Um, yeah, uh, as far as growing up with both of my parents, it was a blessing, you know, and it, it goes back into me doing what I do. You know, if, if I didn't have both of my parents, I probably would be doing something else running around. You know, I had my moms and my pops, you know, my pops was there every day. So even, even though my parents wasn't together, I would see my pops at least three days a week. I would speak to him every single day. I did the Trey Styles thing when I was 10 years old. My mother was like, yo, you got to go live with your father. Like, I can't, I can't teach you. I'd be, it was the exact same conversation from Boys in the Hood. We was walking over the, the, to the crib, and he was like, she was like, yo, you got you to gotta go over here. And I was like, nah, I want to stay here with you. I see daddy on the weekends. She was like, nah, we got to switch it. Like, you got to go over there. So all of that helped me because my pops wouldn't let me go to school in my neighborhood. You know, we grew up in Brooklyn and later moved to Queens, but I had to go to school in Manhattan. You know, for junior high, for high school, I had to go to certain schools. You had to take a test and do certain things to get in. My pops did that on purpose, you know, so it's a blessing to have both. But none of my other friends really had that. A couple of them did. None of my friends really had that. And sad to say, it shows with certain, you know, some of my friends, with certain people. So, you know, I I really try to pinpoint that because a lot of people don't. A lot of people try to hide that in hip-hop because it might not be cool, you know. But for me, I think it's the coolest thing in the world. 